what we're doing in the morning sessions is we're systematically going through the Bible in different uh, chapters, books, and stories. And right now we're back at the beginning, being Genesis, and we're looking at particularly uh, the patriarchs, uh, Abraham, Isaac. Isaac is now about to be finished as far as the focal point, and we're looking into somebody else, that being Jacob. So we're going to go to Genesis chapter 28, and we'll read the whole thing. But before we do, let's just look to the Lord in a word of prayer. Our Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for the ability and the, um, the opportunity and the ability actually to read, but the opportunity to look into your word. We just ask that you open our eyes that we might behold wondrous things from your law. In Lord Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Okay, I hope you're in Genesis 28. We're going to read the entire chapter, and we'll continue from there. Reading in verse 1, So Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and charged him and said to him, You shall not take a wife from the daughters of Canaan. Arise, go to Padam Aran, to the house of Bethuel, your mother's father, and from there take to yourself a wife from the daughters of Laban, <clears throat> your mother's brother. May God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and multiply you, that you may become a company of peoples. And may he give you the blessing of Abraham to you and to your descendants with you, that you may possess the land of your sojournings with God, which God gave to Abraham. Then Isaac sent Jacob away, and he went to Padam Aran, to Laban, son of Bethuel, the Aramean, the brother of Rebekah, mother of Jacob, and Esau. Now Esau saw that Isaac had blessed Jacob, and he sent him away to Padan Aran, and, he, uh, and to take to himself a wife from there. And when he blessed him, he charged him, saying, You shall not take a wife from the daughters of Canaan. And that Jacob had obeyed his father and his mother, and had gone to Padan Aran. So Esau saw that the daughters of Canaan displeased his father Isaac. Esau went to Ishmael and married, besides the wives that he had, Mahalath, the daughter, the daughter of Ishmael, Abraham's son, the sister of Nebaioth. Then Jacob departed and went to Beersheba and went toward Haran. And he came to a certain place and spent the night there because the sun had set. He took one of the stones in that place and put it under his head and lay down in that place. He had a dream, and behold, a ladder was set on the earth with its top reaching to heaven. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the land on which you lie I will give to you and to your descendants. Your descendants shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread from the, out from the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. And in you and in your descendants shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Then Jacob awoke and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid, and he said, How awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. So Jacob arose early in the morning and put a stone that, and took the stone that he had put under his head and set it up as a pillar and poured oil on its top. He called the name of that place Bethel. Uh, however, previously, the name of the city had been Luz. 
Then Jacob made a vow, saying, If God will be with me and will keep me on this journey that I take, I will, uh, I will give and give me food to eat and garments to wear. I will return to my father's house in safety, and the Lord will be my God. And this stone which I have set up as a pillar will be God's house, and all that thou dost give me, I will surely give a tenth to thee. So where we are in this uh, section is now the attention has focused from Isaac to Jacob. If you remind yourself in back in Genesis, um, Genesis is a book of beginnings. We see the beginning of our history, right? Creation. We see where we came from. We see God was always existent. And and we see the beginning of languages, the different languages that we see. We learn about it from Genesis. Where did that come from? Um, we see the way the earth is now the condition of it. Why is it in such bad apparel? Well, because there was sin. We see the way that the earth is watered through rain. You know, Things like this have changed, but it was all in Genesis. And then the book switches and focuses. The Holy Spirit directs our attention to a man and his family, that being Abraham. And in the midst of all the turmoil and all the rebellion and the sickness and the... The, uh, the sin, the sinfulness and the, and the waste that's going on, the, the rejection of God, God would pull somebody out of that. He was an idolater. And he would respond to God's call and he'd be brought out of that. And it's really truly a picture of, of, of what we are today, right? The church is one, it's literally called called out from. And we're called out from this unbelieving, uh, sinful world, right? Called out. And God has brought Abraham to himself, he, by faith, it says that he left his home country and he did not know where he was going. He was following a God that he did not see. But it says that he looked for a city whose architect was not seen, uh, was, could not be seen, and that's the city that he looked for. And we too, while <clears throat> that would be a difficult thing, right, to uproot yourself, um, a lot of times moving is not a fun thing, especially if you're moving somebody else or your friend, right, moving their stuff out. It's it's a it's a you know it's a chore and it's very difficult and you're leaving the place where you're comfortable. Well, Abraham was told to leave not only just the place but his relatives. He had to leave them too. But what was he going to? Well, he was going to somebody who was better. He was going to God Himself. He was following God, and God would bless him. But part of the blessings that were given to him is that he would have children, and not just children. Uh, um, Yes, it would be through natural means, but it would be supernatural because of the age that Abraham had his son Isaac, a hundred years old. Um, so what we're coming to is, and this, if you see me doing this because I don't have the clicker, it's indication of Jason to advance. I'm not shaking my finger at you like this or anything. <laughs> so, um, what, um, so the last chapter in 27, what we we're looking at is actually Abraham's son. And um, I was looking at some of this now. I, I'm talking this, so I'm not going to walk too far away. I don't have a, uh, a laser. But I was, I was going to get a timeline for us to understand what's going on. Now, these people, they tend to live a little bit longer than we do, if you haven't noticed. Um, <laughs> Abraham was 175 years old. Isaac was 180. So they're at least sometimes, on the average age that we know, three times more than what we live today, right? 
And we're in Jacob's, now we're focusing on Jacob. And Abraham, by this point, is dead. Isaac is alive. So to get an idea of where this is, this is actually, I cannot take credit for it, but when I was trying to go through this, starting with the dates that we know, if you look on the end of the green line and the yellow line, Joseph dies in Egypt, which is actually a son of Jacob, at 110. We know that for a fact. Um, Jacob died at 147, 147 years old, in Egypt. We know that happened. He was buried in um, Canaan. We know he went into Egypt and the green line at 130. So if you take these years and you start going backwards, the, the years that are in the, 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 the one who made this, the years that are in the dashed lines are, are, are approximate. But it gives us a good idea to understand where things are happening at this point. Where Jacob is, uh, we learned last week that he stole by deception the blessing, um, the blessing from uh, Esau, right? Esau was the firstborn. Uh, Jacob was the second, even though they were twins. But the blessing was usurped uh, from uh, uh, um, Esau by means deception, right? Jacob, we have a Jacob here uh, today, but Jacob, Yaakov, is literally, if you want to look in the Bible, this to give you an idea what Jacob means, you know this verse very well. Jeremiah 17, 9. The heart is Yaakov. That's what it means. Deceptful, uh, deceitful. It's deception. That's exactly what Jacob means. Deception. So this deceiver usurped the blessing. And now he's about to be, um, he's about to flee. It says later in later chapters that he f- was fleeing from uh, Esau. But he's also following his parents' command to go get a wife. But where we are is actually in, in the green line, if you're looking at it, um, it, it. Jacob is about, now this is going to sound um, to our years like, you know, this doesn't make sense. But he's about in his 70s at this point. But 70 to him is more like middle age to us, right? So he's about 70 years old when he deceives his father, who's... He's about in his about 130. And then, you know, Jacob goes and finds a wife in Padam Aran. And this is where we're at at this point. But, uh, Jason, if you'll advance to the next one. Um, let's just look at this, this man. Since we are uh, considering him, um, Jacob, you know, he, there's two commentaries of his life. We know exactly what he was at the beginning, right? There's, and if you go to the next one, Jason... Um, Jacob at his birth, we already read this in Genesis 25. It says this of, his, uh, uh, of the way that he was born. This is, his, this is what it would read in the hospital, right? He's holding on to his brother's heel, right? And this is how he gets his name. He was born with this, holding on to his heel, right? Deceiver, supplanter. And this is where uh, Jacob gets his name, right? This is who Jacob is. But... Um, at his death, it says something completely different. It says this in Hebrews 11.21, uh, the, the passage of faith. It says, By faith, Jacob, as he, uh, as he was dying, blessed each of his son, uh, the sons of Joseph and worshipped, leaning on top of his staff. Quite different than what his birth was, right? Supplanter and deceiver. Now, he's one who blesses, he's worshipping, and he's one who's leaning. And it's the picture that he's leaning on God, right? Because that instance where he couldn't walk was an encounter that he had with God. So 
where you know where this the the 147 years is where God is working on jo- uh, Jacob. If I say Joseph, I apologize, but it's Jacob. It's not Joseph. Jacob, where Jacob is starting from a deceiver, and then he comes. He becomes a worshiper, a leaner, somebody who leans on God, and somebody who is a blesser, right? Somebody who's blessing, and that journey that we call is life, right? We we're going through it right now. You know, God has He's working with uh, Jacob's today, right? Those who inherently they're they're born with with propensities uh, uh, to sin. Some of us are very weak and, and drawn to certain sins in some area, and some of us are in another area. Some of us have attained things like, uh, um, and, and we see this in Jacob we're about to talk about, but some of us have developed sins, right, that we weren't really born with. Um, there's uh, like addictions, right, alcoholism. Not, no kid you know, is born in this world with that, right? There's addictions. There's, there's this drawing. The flesh is drawn out to sins. Can God rescue a person like that? Can God transform a person who was a deceiver, propensity to sin, supplanter, and then make them into what Joseph, uh, Jacob was at his death? Absolutely, right? And this journey that we call, uh, which we call life, and over all of it, God is the architect, Right, God is the architect, and and he um, he takes different uh, um, uh, situations. He takes uh, he uses tools. His tool chest, as it were, is limitless. Right, God is not limited by by using certain uh, things that we would use to teach somebody. Right, uh, you know, a teacher has a chalkboard, and well, chalkboard maybe is a little little outdated, but uh, you know, PowerPoint and computers. God's arsenal of teaching and molding us as believers is limitless. And we see this in Jacob. I found this very interesting that God as the architect of his life is moving Jacob from that which he knew for 70 years plus before as a, as a deceiver. He's moving Jacob towards himself and drawing him to himself and transforming his life from the inward out through situations especially. The beginning of this is in 28. Co- so... He's already, he's fleeing because of something he's done. Now, I don't know all of your lives, right? I don't know the things that you've done. But there are times maybe you can, in your own mind and heart, think of where there was some sin and the natural reaction is to get out, right? And is to flee away from it. Because there's trouble coming. And um, Esau was angry, right? Rightfully so, he was angry. But... God would use different things in Jacob's life. One of them was life lessons. Uh, Jacob would learn. We'll just briefly mention some of these. Some of these are in the past. Some of them are in the future. But we'll make mention of them for your own study and to look ahead. But Jacob, he, he was a deceiver, right? He supplanted the blessing from his own father. Later, later in his life, he's presented with the same thing. His sons, now he's the father, his sons come to him and they deceive him about his own son who they say is dead. And so they use an animal to deceive him about Joseph's death. When he used an animal to deceive his father about you know, the blessings. And so God uses these things, the same exact thing. He brings it back into his life. Do you think that meant anything to Joseph, uh, Jacob? Absolutely, or Israel by this time is his name. Absolutely, life lessons. And don't be surprised 
And I speak this, you know, from our own experience, but knowing our God, it says this of him, that our fathers disciplined us. Before I misquote it, it's in Hebrews. It says our, fa- our, our earthly fathers disciplined us as best as they, as best as they could. For discipline, um, this is in Hebrews 12. It says, furthermore, we had earthly fathers to discipline us. We know that very well. Or, you know, guardians. We respected them. Shall we not uh, rather be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us, being the earthly fathers, for a short time as it seemed blessed to them. But he disciplines us for our good. That's being God. And that we might share in his holiness. So while fathers might discipline out of anger sometimes, or might discipline in the wrong way, or correct. God disciplines and it's for our benefit, right? And so God would use different life lessons in Jacob's own life. Um, the next one we'll look at, we got a couple here, is revelations. Revelations of himself. We see one right here. Jacob's dream, right? Here's Jacob going on out, and who does he meet? In the wilderness, he meets God himself. And not just that, he comes back to this land. It says um, in, in this one uh, area, he meets the... It's only one verse, but it's such a, a, a magnificent um, revelation where the angels of God meet him and, and there's some uh, sustaining, but the angels of God meet him, right? Direct revelation from God. Sometimes, um, maybe I'm not advocating any kind of a spiritual uh, vision or anything like that in somebody's life or not, not in my own, but... When we pick up God's word, revealed word, right? God reveals things as we're reading in uh, in the word. You know, He He applies different things in the area where we're at. What do we mean by that? Well, you know, perhaps there's some hardship at work, or there's some problem that I'm having with my spouse, or or I just don't know what to do here. Well, God will talk to us. He speaks to us through His revealed word. This is God's revelation. We have it recorded. Jacob did not have this, right? We have it right here. And through revelations, God was molding this man, Jacob. Um, the next one is hardships. This one probably everybody can relate to, if not anything else. Hardships from within, right? From the things that he did, there was hardships placed upon him, but also from without. Jacob goes through famines. He goes through premature uh, uh, deaths of his spouse, right? Family members dying prematurely. Um, things that just happen, hardships. And how do we respond to each one, right? That, that, does God, is God doing this just because he's somebody who's mean? No. Remember, we just read in, in, in Hebrews that he disciplines us for our good and he, that we might share in his holiness, right? There's a purpose in why God does certain things. There's a purpose in why you're going through a hard time. There's a purpose why I lost my job and was out of work for two years, right? I mean, there was a, there was a reason for that. And... To turn around and start blaming God, right, would be something that would be offensive to him, but also would be missing the point. And I'm not, you know, trying to belittle our issues, right? I'm not trying to not understand that we do go through hardships, because there are hard things. The death of relatives prematurely is a very sad thing, right? But hardships in our life, um, we need to be reminded that God is the architect of these things. And if you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior... He is, called, uh, he is called your great high priest, right? And when these hard times come, it says literally that you can run to him as a child would run to his parents as if 
there's, you know, they're hurt or something's wrong. They're running to them, and you can lay hold of the, of the throne of grace, and you can find help and grace to time and need. Do we need to find, do we need to have help and grace in time and need? Absolutely. Well, there's a place that we can go through, go to, while we had these hardships. But there is a purpose why we go through them. And remember, Jacob was that deceiver, but God is moving him towards um, being a blesser, a worshiper, and somebody who's uh, dependent upon God. Uh, the one more, uh, I think there's two more. Uh, divine interjection. Now, this, we perhaps, I, I, I'm, I'm very confident this does still happen. And we might not be aware of it. Um, you recall uh, in later in this uh, story of Jacob, well, he, <laughs> again, here's another thing. He meets, he's literally going to meet his, his mere copy of himself, right, in Laban. Laban is literally Jacob. And he does the same things that he did to his father back to him. And what is the natural reaction that we say? How could you do that? You know, what are you doing to me? You know, that's what we get like that. But then we realize if we do some inflection, wait a second. You know, I just did that to my father. I deceived my way out to getting the things that I want. Now it's happening to me? Well, um, Again, life lessons. So be, be on guard of these things. I mean, not only is God showing you perhaps uh, a, a picture of yourself as he did then, God often brings people that are not like me into my life to rub me the wrong way, to uh, uh, mold me to where I need to be. But um, there's a purpose, right? And it's not necessarily a bad thing, right, that they're not like me because I wouldn't want to meet another person like me. But, um, you know... Uh, there, God uses these people, right? So Laban is, uh, Laban is literally somebody like him. But after he deceives Laban and, and he leaves without telling him a goodbye, you know how offensive that can be with family. But when he's leaving, he's leaving for good, right? So every, all Laban's grandchildren and daughters, he just takes them and leaves. And it says, and it says Laban says, man, you, you take them away like they're prisoners of war. But he catches up to Jacob and he intended to do something to him to harm him because of all this. And it says God came to him in a vision. God inter inter interjected into Jacob's life. And it says, Do, be careful. God says this to Laban. Be careful how you speak to him, whether good or bad. That's all he said. Laban understood what that meant, right? He had a, a, a divine interjection there. And there have been stories of, uh, you know, Bridges and, and, and sometimes this is it. It sounds so. It is. It is a miracle, but it sounds so surreal that there's just somebody standing on the side of the road going like this, and the person slows down as they're driving, and then realizing coming up later that there literally is a bridge out. They come back and that person's gone. Right? Where did that person come from? Right? Divine interjection. God uh, 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 intervening on our behalf. Um, through seen ways and unseen ways, and he still does that today. It says that, um, and we'll get to it later, but he'll never leave us nor forsake us. And the last one that I like to look at is trials. God brings us through trials, whether um, self-inflicted, not necessarily, but he'll bring trials into our life. And with Jacob, um, there are things that happen to him. When he gets back into the land, you know, he... he he, as it were in our Christian experience, he rededicates himself to the Lord, right? And what does it happen immediately when he gets in the land, literally? His family starts falling apart. His kids 
um, start doing things. You know, his son lays with his, his, his concubine, right, his wife. His, his two sons go and slaughter an entire city. I mean, these things start happening to Jacob's life, right? What is Jacob going to do? How is he going to respond, right? Trials in his life, hardships, these things that, that just happen. And, but they, God is the architect of these things, right? God allows these things to happen. God is moving Jacob towards the end goal. But um, that's a brief overview, overview of what Jacob is. If, if we go ahead and we'll just look at a couple more things, but the dream is really what we want to look at. Um, briefly, we'll make mention of the first nine verses. Um, Jacob, um, Rebecca tells, as we learned last week, Rebecca tells Isaac that, you know, she is not happy with the daughters of Canaan, right? She does not want her inheritance, the inheritance that they're gathering, going to somebody who is not related. And if Jacob goes and marries um, one of the inhabitants of the land, you know, she understands this, and, and she does not want this to happen. She goes to her husband, being Isaac, so this is where we literally pick up. Isaac is, Isaac is now calling Jacob, and he charges him not to take a wife from here. He tells him to go to his mother's brother, well, that would be Jacob's uncle, and to take from his wife, uh, take a wife from there. And interesting, it says here in verse 3, it says, May God Almighty. Where did Isaac uh, learn that term? El Shad- um, I think it's Adonai is, is God Almighty. El Shaddai, I'm sorry. El Shaddai, God Almighty. Well, he learned that, right? God appeared to Abraham as that. And so, remember, Abraham was charged with, uh, God chose him to instruct his kids and the successive generations after him in the way of the Lord. So we see Abraham was successful in following the Lord, right? He charged Isaac. And now Isaac is now teaching Jacob about this living Lord, the God Almighty. And he refers to him as this, may God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and multiply you. And so these terms come from what God Almighty revealed to Abraham. And he even says, give you the blessing of Abraham. So it's identified that Jacob is going to be the one where uh, the chosen um, people, where um, ultimately the Lord Jesus Christ would come through. But it wouldn't be through uh, Esau. There's going to be a branch, right? We had a branch from Ishmael. It didn't go that way. It went to Isaac. And now there's Esau and Jacob when it's going to go Jacob's way, right? Not to Esau's way. We learned a little something about Esau. And, and, and Ron talked about this a little bit last week. But he was a very fleshly driven person, right? He was, he, um, and, you know, you think about some of the most powerful emotions that we as humans would possess. You know, where would love rank? You know, you know, guys and those who are married and dating or whatever, you know, they, you know, when you were first dating or getting to know your wife, you know, you, you would do silly things for love, right? Stay up very late at night. And that's a pretty driving force. Well, Esau's driving force of love, that was subsequent. That was secondary to his Almost, it seems like a hatred for what his father wanted, right? It says he saw, Isaac, I mean, uh, Esau saw that what he was doing, he had an opportunity to displease his father, and he, put, he took that opportunity, right? He married somebody else, or he did something that, it was, that was disobedient to his parents. Can't we be motivated by such things today? I mean, absolutely, right? I mean, can we be motivated to to because of some kind of feeling for somebody else or man i can't stand that guy i'm just going to do something i mean we got to be honest about ourselves right and we see esau 
how, you know, how sad, you know, what a sad case. And Esau was a very fleshly person, but it's just the capability of the human being that think how strong love is, that he would go and marry somebody just because it despised or displeased his father, right? Just to, because of spite, he went and married somebody else. Well, he goes to Ishmael and he marries Mahalath, his daughter. And so Esau will pick back up later, but he, he sort of dis- disappears from the scene. He will come back in later, um, but he goes and settles in the land of Seir, which is in south of the land of Israel. So Jacob is on his way, right? He's leaving the place where Abraham told him and Isaac to stay in this land. You know, what's going through his head? You know, when you're out of, when you've done something wrong and you're almost out of fellowship with God, where, where is this all going, right? Um, he's going to have this encounter with God. And this picture is a little fuzzy, but um, I couldn't find a better one. <laughs> Most of the ones are a little cartoony, but and this is just a dis- depiction. Some of you might even have this staircase, uh, which we learn in verse 12, um, or a ladder, I should say. They might have staircase, but we'll stick to ladder. But Abra- um, Jacob has this dream on this way, right? He's running from his. He's running for his life because he Esau said he was going to kill him, right? He's running for his life. He's deceived his father. He's. Um, He's usurped things. You know, do you feel good after doing something like that? No, not, I mean, I, mean, I don't think anybody who would be a true believer would be, right, taking pleasures and, stuff, and such things. But there he is running out, dejected, right? Well, he has, this inner, he has this revelation from God. And it's not just this ladder, but it's God himself who reveals him, himself to Jacob. And he sees this vision of angels, this ladder. First of all, what do we see about it? Well, there's a ladder. That's all it says. It says it was set on the earth. It means it wasn't built by anything, by human methods, right? It was something that uh, was divine. It was set on the earth, and its top reached to heaven. And there's angels of God ascending and descending on it. Then the most important part of the dream is the Lord standing above it, right? So the Lord's in heaven. He reveals himself to Jacob. And this is what he says. He says, I am the Lord your God. Um, I'm the Lord, I'm the Lord, the God of your father, Abraham, um, and the God of Isaac on the land, which you lie, I will give it to you and to your descendants. And so the first thing he says to him, remember Jacob being dejected, running out, running for his life. He introduces himself. Has this happened before? Yes. It's happened to Abraham. Remember there were certain times in Abraham's life. Um, he he goes through you know the battle with the kings or he comes back in the land and and God appears to him right God appears to him I am the Lord right he introduces himself remember these these um, men these people were idolaters right their their concept of who God was was skewed but they're they're getting a picture of who God Almighty is the true God the living God and so he introduces himself to the Lord but also. Um, Jacob knew this covenant. He revisits the covenant, what God Almighty was telling, um, which uh, promised Abraham, right? He says, I am the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac, right? Your father and your grandfather. The land on which you lie, I will give it to you and your descendants. This is nothing new, right? Jacob knew this, but it hasn't been applied to him yet. And something that... that, um, Shocked me, too, is when I was thinking about the chapter before, you know, Jacob went through all this trouble, even before that, of securing the birthright, securing the blessing. 
you know, God in his own heart all along was planning to give that to Jacob from the beginning, right? We learned that here from this verse. He was going to be the one to bless, but Jacob stepped the bounds, right? He decided to take matters in his own hands. Do we do that today? You know, I don't want to wait for you, God. You know, I don't want to wait for a certain thing or, or some, uh, something that you've promised in my life or, or you know, I'm not going to wait until God gives it to me. I'm going to overstep the bounds and I'm going to take matters in my own hands, right? And so was that God's will that Jacob went ahead and deceived his father and, 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 and stole the birthright, as it were, from Esau? No, it wasn't, right? God was planning on giving that to him anyways. It says that he was going to bless him and he was going to give this to them, uh, give the promises of Abraham. But Jacob went ahead and did this. But God will still use that failure of Jacob. Um, remember, moving Jacob from being that deceiver, right? Working that out of him, molding his life and transforming him into the person that he wanted him to be. So God would use those hard times and those failures. But there's something new. Oh, looking at the, uh, the covenant, if you're not familiar, there's possession of this land, right? The land on which you lie, I will give it to you. Numerous descendants. Um, your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, in 14 it says. All the earth will be blessed through your descendants. Now, this is a place of honor. I mean, we don't really, I, I never really thought about this uh, too much. But that, you know, out of the entire earth, you know, Israel's a very, very small country, right? Very sometimes insignificant when it comes to um, when it comes to uh, influence on the world, humanly speaking, right? But divine influence, they're, they're, they're going to be influences, they're going to bless the entire world through them, right? Now, if you want to get a picture of what this is, you remember uh, later in this story, and we'll wrap it up really soon here, is Jacob goes to, or Israel goes to Egypt. What does it say at the end of Jacob's life? Jacob blesses the most important or most powerful man on the earth. If you want to talk about somebody who had influence, Pharaoh, Jacob blesses the most important man on earth. And so if you want to think about how this actually, you know, the full, common, um, the full completion of this is obviously we have the word, right? The, most of the writers, God used Jewish writers to write it. We're blessed through that, the revelation of God's word. But also we're, um, the most important thing is that the, the Christ would come through that line, right? And so are we blessed from the Christ intervening on our behalf? Absolutely, right? We're saved by him. So all the earth will be blessed through his descendants. Uh, but also there's new promises, something new. And um, in verse 14, uh, no, verse 15, it starts. It says this. It says, um, I will, I'm with you. Right. And so here's Jacob leaving the land of promise. Does that mean anything to his own heart that God would be going with him? Absolutely. Right. God, we have this same promise. You know, this has also been promised to us. It says in the end of, of the Gospels, too, he says this to the apostles. Right. God is leaving. Right. God, the son is leaving. He's going back to heaven. They're wondering what's going on here. And the words from the Lord Jesus says this. I am with you. Right. I'm with you wherever you go, even until the end of the age. And so he also is going to uphold him, Jacob, on his journey. He says, I'm with you and will bring you back. Uh, I will keep you wherever you go. And so, Jacob, you don't need to worry about, you know, your clothes. You don't need to worry about your food. Who's going to take care of you? Um, I'm going to do that. Also, he's going to bring him back safely. He says, I will bring you back to this land. Remember, Jacob's running for his life. 
the furthest thing in his mind is that he's going to come back and face Esau. Right? He's going to have to face the person that he deceived, the one who wants to kill him. God says, I'm bringing you back. And, and also it says, and I will not leave you, and I left out the, the last part of it, but I will not leave you until I've done what I have promised you. And so God will see it through. We learned a little bit about this um, last time I spoke, but God is going to complete the things that he has promised to us. Has he given us promises today? Yes, he has. And sometimes it seems in our own life, you know, it, it doesn't seem like God's doing anything here, but God is, right? God is going to complete what he has promised us. And what does it mean to Jacob at this point? Well, Jacob, you know, he understood that God had appeared and told him to go to the land. He had no idea that God would be with him in this place where he thought God was not, right? Because look at his response. He says, how awesome is this place? He says, this is none other than the house of God, the gate of heaven, and he had no idea that God would be here. And he said, surely the Lord is in this place and I did not know it. And I don't know about you, but I'm sure there's times in your life where you had no idea that God would be in those places. Right? There's low points in our life. There's failures. There's um, um, hardships. And, and you often think, where is God? Why isn't he doing anything right now? Why isn't he rescuing me out of this? But God is there, right? Jacob had the promise. We have the promise, too, that God is with us wherever we're going. Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. He will reveal himself, and he will uphold us. But this latter and this dream um, reaffirms this to Jacob. And um, on, before this journey, before he even goes, he's given this promise. And interesting, the response, you know, um, you know, being a holy God, he had every right on condemning, punishing Jacob for what he did, right? Deceiving his own father, supplanting and stealing the blessing from Esau, um, presenting a bad name of the Lord, right? But he comes to him with such words of grace and love to him. Jacob will pay for what he did. He will pay for the things that he did later. But God comes home and reveals him that this gracious, loving God is going to be with him on this journey that he's going to be taking. And we'll close with this last, and, and this is where I wanted to end up, but time has not allowed us to spend too much time. But, you know, this dream is repeated later. And it's repeated to the Lord, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ repeats this dream. And we learn a little bit more about this. It says, when he goes to meet Nathaniel, um, Nathaniel of Bartholomew. I think it's Nathaniel. It is Nathaniel. At the end of John 1, you can look it up. But um, Nathaniel is, uh, 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 he, he, he doesn't believe that Philip has met the Christ. But as he approaches, he tells him that I saw you, the Lord Jesus speaking to him, I saw you when you were under the tree speaking to Philip. And he's like amazed that he even knew that he was there. So he knew that he was um, he was divine, had a divine ability of being everywhere and knowing things. And he was so impressed with this. And he calls him, you know, you're at the Christ. He says, well, the Lord Jesus says, you're going to see greater things than this. You're going to see the angel of God descending and ascending upon the Son of Man. And so while that ladder connected heaven and earth, right, there was communion between heaven and earth. Now we learn that that ladder literally was a person, right? The Lord Jesus Christ. And we have communion with heaven through the Lord Jesus Christ, right? And so the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man, that's at the end, the very last verse in John, uh, the Gospel of John, chapter 1, if you want to look it up. But um, the full revelation of this is that 
Um, God has desired to have a relationship with man. And there needed to be a mediator. There needed to be something to go between. There, it was a ladder. For us, we have a mediator between God and man. It says this, um, the man Christ Jesus. And so um, what a promise that we have, right? That God has uh, given us his son uh, as a sacrifice to save us from our sins. But not only that, that he's given us the Holy Spirit to help us on this journey of, of our Christian life. But we have a great high priest who we can run to and we can cling to and ask for help and grace in time of need. And so that is our lesson in Genesis 28. And let's close in a word of prayer. Our Father, we just thank you for this time. We thank you for these stories of these patriarchs. And they're not just written to um, be great stories to tell or to illustrate, but Lord, they're written for our learning. And these men live lives and you recorded the details just for us to, to learn from and to learn about you. And so Lord, we just pray that we, uh, the things that we read today in your word, Lord, that they, you would use them to, uh, supplement our Christian lives, Lord, and that you would help us as we're going on this journey of life, that you're moving us towards the promises that you have given us to, Conform us to the image of your Son. And Lord Jesus' name we do pray. Amen.